This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to OBR Weekly for August 9th, 2023. My name is Barry McBride. I am the publisher and the web dork at the Orange and Brown Report. We've got a new defensive tackle, and back with me tonight, as always, is Browns beat writer and guru extraordinaire, Fred, the legend, Greetham. How's it going, Freddie? I was just trying to catch a breath. One thing yeah. after another with these guys. Exactly, exactly. And that's the way we like it in the Browns news business. Well, that's the way we like it sometimes. Sometimes, you know, we need a little break and... Uh, uh, I'm glad you got a couple of minutes between breaking the news about uh, Shelby Harris and this program. Uh, you know, let's uh, let's uh, start right off with that. Uh, the chat room is already hopping. The Twitch chat room is hopping. Uh, YouTube chat room is just getting going. Uh, and uh, as always, uh, the usual disclaimer that this show is powered by your comments and questions. And uh, please fill up the chat room with both. And uh, we'll be happy to get to him as quickly as possible. But first, let's talk about Shelby Harris, uh, new signing by the Cleveland Browns. We know nothing about the contract or, or anything like that at this point, or at least I've seen nothing about it. Uh, but, uh, Fred, you enthusiastic about this signing? Uh, and do you think it was driven more by the injuries on the defensive line? Uh, and the fact that Alex Wright won't be able to help in the middle, or do you think that there might be a little bit of concern about Jordan Elliott and some of the others in the middle of the defensive line? What do you think is behind this signing, basically? Well, it really doesn't matter. They have him signed. and But, <clears throat> no, I think that, as I said before, they went to Greenbrier, that Andrew Barry would probably take that roster down there, evaluate what they had, and then make decisions, whether input from Jim Schwartz on defense or whatever. And we asked Andrew Barry down there, and that's basically what he said. And then I don't think it was a coincidence. I think it was Monday. They came back on Sunday from the Greenbrier, and on Monday, word was Shelby Harris was visiting the Browns. So that means, you know, they were, they'd evaluated maybe even before injuries or whatever that they need some help. I don't think Shelby Harris wasn't the type of guy that you bring in on your emergency list. Mm. I mean, teams all have emergency lists, you know, when injuries happen. I think they were saying we can use an upgrade, we can use, and if you've watched or listened to this show, I've said all off season after the moves were made that I felt they had 21 out of the 22 starting positions um, filled. They seemed to think that Jordan Elliott was that 22nd opposite Dalvin Tomlinson. This tells me they do not think that is the case. 
That's just my opinion. But you went out, mm-hmm. and you, you know, Shelby Harris isn't like, you know, an undrafted rookie free agent. He's an eight, nine year veteran. He's going to play and he'll probably start. They may not start him originally, but also with the contract, I think Jordan Elliott, if I'm not mistaken, he had a contract that they renegotiated and gave him some guaranteed money up front, you know, instead of what that usually means is they were thinking of cutting him because he had like a $2.8 million deal, you know, at the end of training camp. And I think Jack Duffin pointed out that likely means he's on the team, but he took a pay cut to get some up guaranteed up front money, just like Harrison Bryant. So, I think this has been in the works. I think Harris, I think Lane said it in the rumor that he had some options. He was looking around, basically, I think, saying, what's my best chance to make the playoffs and what's my best contract offer? That's what it usually comes down to. I don't mm-hmm. know what, what he signed for, but um, I think it's a good deal. I mean, I feel much stronger on that defensive line with a starting group of Miles Garrett, Zadarius Smith on the outside, Dalvin Tomlinson and Shelby Harris on the inside. What did the Browns lack last year? Being able to stop the run. You got two big beefy guys, kind of like you, Barry, that can stop the run on the inside. So I think I think that's a good move. And and it gives you depth, as we saw, you know, two defensive ends, probably fourth or fifth in the rotation you know, had surgery on their knees yesterday. And just like that, you don't have any depth at end other than young guys. So you always need more people. And Jim Schwartz has talked about playing eight, nine, 10 guys on the defensive line. I like having eight, nine, 10 players that are above just a jag, just a guy. I'd rather have a guy that's got some proven experience in the NFL. He's got 24 sacks in his career. He had six with the Broncos just two years ago. So coming from the inside, you know, he can really still pair up with Zadarius Smith, um, Dalvin Tomlinson, and give him some pressure on the inside as well as stopping the run. So I think it's very positive. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of enthusiasm for it in the uh, chat rooms. Uh, A lot of happiness about this signing. I think uh, a lot of people agree that – the Cleveland Browns needed a little bit more uh, proven experience. Stopping the run needed one more beefy guy. I'm a I'm a big fan of beefy guys uh, uh, who can stop the run. Uh, I am, as pointed out in the chat, useless against the run. You can tell by my yearly income. Uh, Broken Arrow said in the chat that he heard it was five and a quarter million for Shelby Harris. I hadn't seen that yet. Uh, we'll look to uh, get that confirmed. Uh, but uh, you are right uh, that Lane Atkins was talking about this in Insider Central, said the meeting went well, said Harris had options. Uh, the Broncos were hot after him, and obviously he felt that the Browns were a better opportunity or at least more money for him, uh, and this now solidifies uh, the Browns' interior defense. Now, the Browns, of course, have a little bit of a challenge on uh, the edge rusher side of things, despite all the investments they made this year due to some injuries. Uh, and uh, we uh, understand now that both Alex Wright and Isaiah Thomas 
uh, have had uh, scopes, they've had uh, knee surgeries, uh, and uh, the Browns, if I'm not mistaken, uh, are being a, a little bit fuzzy in terms of when we'll see these guys. They're hoping for them relatively early uh, in the season. Uh, is that right, Fred? Yeah, well, your arthroscopic surgery, I think there's different degrees, but um, it's typically pretty quick. Three to six weeks is what it seems like historically. The one thing today is what the ninth, they don't play till the 10th of September, so that's four weeks, you know. So whether it's Jerome Ford or it's um, Alex Wright, Isaiah Thomas, they have time, and even if they're not ready for a couple weeks into the season, that's still not push the panic. <clears throat> These are really depth guys. Alex Wright, at best now, we talked about getting pushed down because you got Smith and you got Okoronkwo. He's not really being forced to have to play. He's like fourth. He's probably in the mm -hmm. rotation, but I'm not sure Thomas was going to make the team, you know? Right. At the best, he would be the fifth. You drafted Isaiah McGuire, who you're going to, I'm sure you're going to keep him when you drafted him in the fourth round compared to a seventh round pick in Thomas. I'm not saying that there's not a place for Wright and Thomas. I think Wright for sure. But this just allows McGuire to play a little more in preseason, see what he has. And then if you remember, I think, I think there was a preferred – undrafted guy was it Lonnie Phelps they paid guaranteed money to get him and he's also going to get a chance to show what he can do so these are really depth and it's in the past these guys were usually starters now they're you know they're fourth fifth and that they're important but it's not right. the top of the depth chart same way with Jerome Ford everybody expects Nick Chubb he's your bell cow of course you need a backup but that's why Jerome Ford, they're not really worried if he can't play until the regular season. That just will allow some of the other guys. They may sign another guy, you know, a veteran, you know, if they're not happy with Felton or, or uh, Kelly. But as far as, no, I mean, I think the way they word this, that we'll know more when they get to cut downs. If they are more serious, they would have to, you know, keep them on the 53 Mm -hmm. or expose them to waivers. So I just would, would assume that they would both be back early in the season. As far as anything else goes, you know, they're testing their depth. But that's where I like with the Harris signing again. Now, I don't mind Elliott being a backup. You know, and the backups being Elliott, Maurice Hurst, guys like that, as opposed to, you know, happen to be starters. So, right you know, all the way around, I think it just pushed everybody down the board. And, you know, we were waiting for a move like this. If a team really wants to win, you know, it's like, it seems like you've done everything else. Why not bring in this guy? I mean, right. it's not my money, but 5 million, I mean, doesn't seem to be breaking the bank, you know, for a, a guy that can come in and start for you. Speaking of uh, wanting to win right now, another area where that's potentially being fed uh, felt you talked about Jerome Ford. He's got a hamstring injury, correct? Uh, notoriously dicey injury to predict for skill players. Like you said, he's got four weeks, but um, 
you know, give it a couple of weeks if that hamstring doesn't seem to be getting significantly better. Could you see the Browns chasing a uh, free agent running back? Uh, you talked about that a little bit in uh, your article today. Well, I don't know if I'd say chasing. I don't see him. There, you know, if you Google who's available, you're going to get Ezekiel Elliott, still Kareem Hunt, as far as I know. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook, uh, guys like that. I don't – Kenyon Drake. I don't see the Browns going out really getting a, a name. First of all, those guys are available because they want some money. I don't mm-hmm. think the Browns feel like they need to get a big name type back. I've said it all along. I think Nick Chubb is going to be more involved this year in the passing game. Stump Mitchell let it out the other day. He said, well, he's going to be first, second, and third downs, you know? So the way they envision it, it used to be Chubb was in first, second down. They brought in Kareem Hunt on passing downs. And then after a couple series, they brought in Hunt and he did the whole thing, first, second, third. I think now, if I read between the lines, Chubb's going to be in first, second, third down after a few series. Then Jerome Ford would come in, be first, second, third down to give him a break. Then you go back to Chubb. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a that's a good move because he needs to be involved in the passing game. I've said it for three or four years, and I think having Kareem Hunt might even stunted, you know, Chubb in the passing game because they didn't use him and it gave the defense a break always seeing 24 standing on the sideline so I don't think they're going to overwork him that's what the backup guy's for but it's also because there's a drop off between Chubb and Ford that that would keep Chubb on the field a little bit more but no I think that if if they deem Ford's not really ready to go to start the season you know you could see a guy like J.D. McKissick or Jordan Wilkins or, um, you know, Daryl Henderson, some some guys that aren't well-known but they played in the NFL. I don't even know, Dontrell Don Hilliard, you know, guys that, mm-hmm. you know, that could come in. You're not looking for a top-of-the-depth chart guy because you have that with Nick Chubb. Right. The one thing that's unfortunate Ford was going to get a chance to show what he could do because he hasn't really ever run the ball much or caught passes out of the backfield. And he was going to get a chance to do that in the preseason a little bit more. And so he's not, I doubt if he'll be back at all for the preseason. So you got, you really have an unknown there. Yeah. Uh, Opportunity for Demetric Felton and, or uh, John Kelly in this case, you think they have a better chance of making the roster now? Yeah, I mean, I I felt all along that Kelly and Felton were kind of battling for the third spot. I don't see him as a feature back. If Ford was going to be out, it could be a combination. You know, Kelly's more the runner between the tackles. Felton's more the pass catcher out of the backfield. You know, last week he had a nice run. It's given him a chance to show, you know, his natural position as a running back. I don't think anybody has visions that he's a great going to be between the tackle runner, but I think he could really be effective in that third down role, catching passes with all his experience and practice as a wide receiver that that's got to help him, you know, in the slot or catching balls out of the backfield. So I think right now Felton and, and, um, Kelly are your two, three guys, and you're going to see a lot of them in the preseason. 
I wouldn't be surprised if they bring another guy in, you know, to even take a little of the load off. But if they do go the route, I don't think they're panicking right now. But if, if Chubb were to get hurt or something like that, I, I think that, yeah, then you might see a bigger name guy. But as long as he's sitting there at the top of the depth chart, I don't see him going and getting, you know, Dalvin Cook or Ezekiel Elliott or, you know, anybody, you know, like that. Right. And they've also got Hassan Hall, who's seen a little bit of action on special teams and uh, has gotten a few carries as well. So, uh They've got enough players to take the reps during preseason, that's for sure. Hey, I want to ask you one more question about defensive end before we move on. Uh, Isaiah McGuire, uh, Chuck Wiley, I guess is the new guy. Um, you've had a little bit of time to see these guys in practice. Have either of them shown any flashes? Uh, Wiley's only been in there for a couple of days, but McGuire's been around for a little while. Uh, anything that should ease our minds coming from those guys that you've seen so far? Well, honestly, no. I mean, <laughs> I haven't even seen. I don't even know what number Wiley is, to be honest. I was right. Trying, okay. Um, he was out there today, yesterday. I've heard a couple good things. Um, talked to Obo Okoronkwa today, and he was saying that that he's been really impressed with McGuire. McGuire's a guy that doesn't look that big in person, but then when he gets his pads on out there, he looks pretty formidable. Um, you know, to draft him in the fourth round, I think they felt, you know, that he had some upside. And and um, I think he's going to get a chance now in the preseason. These guys, they don't have a lot of depth, you know, during training camp. Behind, you know, I don't think Garrett's going to play a whole lot. No, Okoronkwo. So you're, you got Isaiah McGuire, Lonnie Phelps, and Jeremiah Martin besides mm-hmm. Wiley, are the guys that are going to play the majority of this game, you know, on Friday night. Now that they're not cutting till the final roster, you know, they got 90 guys. You're going to probably see in this game and the next game and the final game, almost all those final 40 guys on the roster playing almost all the time. Because if you remember – they had to cut down to like from 90 to like 80 to 75. And so there was, they had to play more guys that were going to be on the roster. They could literally go into the season and cut everybody that played in almost all the preseason games. Right. Right. I mean, think about it when you're going from 90 to 53, that's by my, by my math, 37 guys have to go. I mean, 37 guys is, quite a few to play in these final three preseason games. So um, you might not get to see a whole lot, but what you're going to get to see is guys like Isaiah McGuire and Lonnie Phelps, you know, and these young guys, and maybe they'll get a chance. Maybe this opened up the the opportunity, you know, with Thomas and and Wright injured. Right, right. Hey, uh, by the way, Fire off some more questions. I've got like three or four stacked up for uh, when I'm uh, done uh, wasting your time with my idiotic stuff. Uh, so uh, we need to stack up a few more. So if you've got questions, fire them off. We will uh, mark them here and we will get to them in a second. Uh, before that, though, uh, for the last time, I want to talk about the Fantasy Football Expo. It is coming up this weekend. I believe you can still get tickets. 
Uh, it starts August the 11th, which is Friday, goes through the 13th, which is Sunday. Uh, and we will be there in booth 24 uh, in the Expo Hall, which is at the Hall of Fame Performance Center uh, on Sunday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. We'll just be hanging out there. Uh, we can talk to people about fantasy football, at least when it comes to the Browns. Or we can just talk Browns. If you're there, if you love fantasy football, uh, we'll be there too. So, uh, you know, guys will get sick of talking to me, so they'll want to talk to you. Uh, and uh, uh, please feel free to uh, drop by and see us. Uh, tickets are available at thefantasyfootballexpo.com. And uh, if you make it, we'd uh, absolutely love to see you there. So the Fantasy Football Expo this weekend, uh, and, uh, and uh, we'd love to see you. All right, so the other thing happening this weekend uh, is a uh, pretend football game against the Washington Commanders. And um, according to this Brad Stainbrook fellow, uh, who was in Berea today along with you, Fred, uh, Deshaun Watson and some other starters are going to play football. Uh, Stefanski said, at least in relation to the defense, that he had a number of plays in mind, but it's sort of going to depend on what he sees on the field. So he basically said, well, if I see two, three and outs, then why keep him on the field? Uh, but it's really dependent on, on what you get. What's, what's your sense, Fred, of, of how long we're going to see the starters on the field uh, against the Commanders uh, on uh, on Friday night. That's well, what you just said. It, the figure is how many plays is is it fifteen plays? That could be you know one long drive. That could be you know two drives. It could be three drives. He didn't say how many plays. That's what I think they're more looking at. So what you just said there. So you go out with a three and out, and then another three and out, it'll probably come out another series, I would think. I have to mm -hmm. think at least 10 plays, you know, for Watson because I'm going to tell you right now, he's already talked to us, you know, the plan before the season. When they go to Philadelphia, the, the preseason game is going to be those two practices, you know, when they, when they go head-to-head -head with the Eagles, much like they did last year. I think it's Monday and Tuesday. Then they have a game on Thursday, and you're going to see, again, I think maybe maybe more than the Hall of Fame, but you're going to see the bottom of the roster playing in that game because they're doing all their evaluation against the Eagles' first team offense and defense in those practices. And, and then who knows what they'll do in the final preseason game if they'll use that as a dress rehearsal, I assume, and, and have them play a little bit. But no, um, I think I think it's all going to be how many how many quality plays you know they're out there and then get them in, get them out. Yeah, it used to be when there were four preseason games, we sort of knew the the deal. You know, the third preseason game would be sort of the warm up. You know, the uh, dress rehearsal for the regular season. Then the fourth one was just basically a giant waste of everyone's time. Frankly, uh, as they had guys fighting for the last couple of roster spots and this year it'll be even more of a of a challenge with so much of the starting 53 of, of the 53 uh, already known and accounted for uh, but uh, uh, at any rate so we don't really know you know at this point 
what the dress rehearsal is going to be for the regular season. It could be the Commanders, could be that last preseason game. We just we just don't know at this point. It's what you're telling me. Well, I don't think it's going to be the Commanders, and it's not going to be the Eagles. So I believe it would be against the Chiefs. You're not going to try to show a whole lot, but I think you're going to just have 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 your guys to get out there and play a little bit. Um, that's because now it's not like I think they play then the 26th of August, but then they don't play a game till September 10th. So it's almost like two weeks. Used to be you played, and then the next weekend was the opener. So it's almost like after the preseason you have a mini bye. Right. So that's. That's why I think a lot of teams use the final preseason game as their dress rehearsal now. Um, right. We haven't got any, but I can. I mean, I cannot imagine them using this game because this is the first time they've actually got on the field. But I don't think you're going to see. I don't even know if some of those guys are going to play at all against the Eagles. Um, I I believe unless they just set them out for the Chiefs game as well, that they would do something, you know, in that game. Right, right. All right, we're starting to get some questions accumulate. Uh, guys, please hit us up with them. Uh, I brought some questions from Asking Insiders. Some of them I want to make sure that we get to because uh, I honestly didn't know the answer to them and I'm hoping Fred does. Uh, and I've got a couple other things I wanted to talk about, but really relying on your questions of power the uh, the back half of the show. Um, another guy I wanted to talk about, Fred, is Austin Watkins. Really made quite an impression in the Hall of Fame game. And Deshaun Watson says some positive things about him today. Uh, are you seeing in camp what we saw during the Hall of Fame game? Is this guy making an making an impression? He got a chance of maybe not finishing in the in the top six, but sticking around, you know, in some way, shape, or form for the Browns. Yeah, I mean, Chad O'Shea, the wide receiver coach, we asked him about him, and he talked about him, and he said he actually, you know, in limited opportunity, he didn't come in to Greenbrier till late, mm -hmm. and um, he made some plays down there. He stood out. He said, who's number 80? And he made a couple of plays, and he's made plays in practice, and uh, he made one in the game. And so I, I definitely think he's got a chance to be on the practice squad, I don't know as far as the regular roster, if Marquise Goodwin does not come back, you know, that opens up a spot. And David Bell had a pretty good practice, I thought, today. But, you know, I think there's been, I think, frankly, Watkins has looked better than him. And uh, Dalen Baldwin was looking good until he pulled a hamstring, and now he's on injury reserve. So Schwartz, most of us assume he's gone, but he's still – he made a touchdown catch yesterday. He had a good play today to set up a field goal, send it into overtime in their team drills. Um, there's a long way to go, but if Watkins keeps putting days together, it's going to be hard to, you know, to put him on the on waivers and let him go. But I mm -hmm. think he's really made a case, you know, to to get on the practice squad. He played in the USFL, so he play, he's been playing football, so he's...
All right, I think we lost Fred there for a minute. Um, again, we've got some room for questions in the back half of the program. Uh, one of the things that uh, uh, I was going to talk to Fred about is this recent Netflix uh, documentary on Johnny Manziel. One of the quotes I, I heard uh, or I read from Johnny uh, during the uh, uh, during the documentary is that you know Manziel said he would sit in his condo in downtown Cleveland and just feel like it was the only place that he could get away from everybody and anything. And he would just feel empty. And uh, Freddie, you back? Can you hear me, buddy? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, I was just, while you were gone, starting to talk about Johnny Manziel, which is always the danger of leaving me alone that I'll go off on some tangent. Uh, but uh, Johnny Manziel, when he was here, Fred, obviously you were around for that. Manziel is saying that he uh, uh, felt empty and unhappy and all that. Um when he was here, was any of that something that was apparent to the media when he was here? Or did he just seem like he was a party animal? Because that was certainly the impression that came out through the media that Manziel was just a party animal and just not paying attention to what was going on with the team, despite his protestations that, you know, he was really, you know, focused on, on football. Yeah, I mean... He, he just didn't seem to be, you know, that invested in football. And that came out in his play, oversleeping, late to meetings, you know, games, um, not putting in the effort. I mean, it was really a shame. It was a dark time covering the team because you had him running off to Vegas and wearing a wig and saying he was somebody else that he wasn't there. And um, I don't know his personal. I didn't see that side of things, but it was enough to know. You know, when you look back at that, you think Brian Hoyer was a hometown kid, probably having his best season. They were six and three with him at quarterback and management under Ray Farmer wanted to get Manziel in there. And basically mm -hmm. they torpedoed the season. They finished seven and nine, you know, lost their last five games. And, uh, you know, I just think that he was a troubled young man a party guy that really just wanted to be famous and didn't want to work at the game it was one of the fears I had why I didn't really want the Browns to draft Baker Mayfield because I kind of put him in the same category. That was unfair. Mayfield mm -hmm. wasn't the same, but you know, I compared him because of the smaller statue and that type of stuff. But all things being said, you know, it's, it's, too bad to hear those things about him. He wanted to commit suicide and stuff, but it just, he was troubled and it just kind of shows you that sometimes fame doesn't satisfy you. Doesn't, mm -hmm. doesn't make the emptiness go away. And, uh, you know, and I think he was troubled, you know, all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sort of strange to, to have Manziel come up, you know, on the cusp of this, you know, big season that the Browns are having probably the, the worst draft that the Browns certainly have ever had, that draft in 2014, um, blowing those two first-round picks as badly as they did. Um, but uh, fortunately, I think we have better things to uh, move on to. I was just curious to see from your perspective, uh, you know, talking to Manziel and seeing him up close, 
whether any of that uh, that he's talking about now uh, sort of came through. Um, a couple of questions from Asking Insiders I want to get to right before we go to uh, the stack of questions that I have here. Um, one is from C. Ganey, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but he said he saw a post from a guy named Benjamin Solak, who works for the Draft Network, talking about the Browns looking good, but Deshaun not looking accurate for the two days he was there on Sunday and Monday. Uh, and um, that was surprising, as everyone else has said the opposite. Um, did you see that on Sunday and Monday? Uh, Deshaun not looking accurate, uh, or uh, was Solak seeing something that, that no one else saw? You know, there's so many guys out there, and they're throwing the quarterbacks are throwing so many passes in a you know, and you could just happen to see two or three bad throws and think they're inaccurate, or you mm -hmm. could see two or three throws that they're at and say, "Wow, he's really accurate." It we we tend to in the media just kind of write about what we saw, you right. know, and you don't see everything. I don't chart every throw in a practice. There's just too much to cover. And I don't think most do. He's had his day through an interception today. I actually thought Juan Thornhill made a good play. And I mean, you want your stars on defense to make plays, sure. get an interception. Um, and, you know, so I thought he's been pretty accurate, to be honest. And, uh, you know, he downplayed last year a little bit, saying, uh, you know, it was what it was. And we talked to him. You know, and, and he just said that, ask if he's, if the rust is over. And he goes, well, we'll just have to see when it comes game time. And I kind of like that attitude. It does no good to have bravado and say, I'm great. I'm, I've arrived. I'm, I'm the best I've ever been, that type of stuff. So I think he's saying, yeah, you guys keep underestimating and we'll see what happens when they start playing. So, mm -hmm. um, I think he it speaks for itself. He has a he had a career percentage of about seventy percent up through twenty twenty. I think he was the most accurate quarterback in the NFL, yeah. statistic wise, <clears throat> before all his troubles began. You know, you can lose some of that, but for the most part, <clears throat> if you have the confidence, it's going to come back. And I think I've seen the confidence and the swagger. You know, he doesn't act, you know, like like he's been off of football for two years. He He's taken over the leadership role, and, you know, I think he's very confident of, of what's going to happen this year. You know, it's amazing to me, though, the wide disparity of opinions about how Watson and hence the Browns are going to do. Uh, if um, you hit the OBR front page, which if you're watching this, I hope you do, uh, we have a new feature called Livewire that we update multiple times a day. We wanted to make the OBR not only, you know, what we hope is the best content that you can find around, but also the most frequently updated Brown site that there is. And to do that, we introduced the Livewire. And we put had two back-to-back -back stories this morning, one from Pro Football Focus, talking about what you just said, Fred, about his stability of his uh, uh, statistics from year to year to year before 2021 and how steady Deshaun Watson was and predicting the Browns would do a very good job this year and be very successful. And then a guy from the NFL Network pegging them to do 6-11 and 11 
you know, without a lot of analysis. So there's this wide divergence of opinion on how the Browns are going to do. So uh, if you I get a opinion, chance, I go ahead. Opinion on that. If it's it's your worldview, if you hate Deshaun Watson, you're gonna see him as a lousy player. If mm-hmm. you are just looking at football, I don't think you can look at it and say. I mean, I, I've been on record. I've watched going back to Brian's site. This guy's a better quarterback in person than those guys physically and athletically passing. Got a better arm, more mobile. I mean, go right down the the list. Sype had an intangible, and he got the job done, and he was a winner. Same way with Bernie. But I think if you're from the outside, it's whatever your opinion is on the guy, you know, and and you're not separating it out from the football player versus the, the human being, you know, or whatever he's done off the field. And I get that, but that's where I think the diversity comes from. You know, you, you know, you can get into all kinds of politics, same way, the way people look at things. But mm-hmm. that one ranking that had Baker Mayfield as the 28th best quarterback in the NFL, but they had Deshaun Watson as the 26th best quarterback in the NFL. You got to be kidding me, you know? I mean, I can't even name five or six starters, you know, that, you know, that they would even. <laughs> so it's. Is he a top 10 right now? I don't know. I can see why people wouldn't say he's top 10, but he's certainly in the top or 15 or top 16 or the upper 50%. Yeah. Yeah. And if I think Baker Mayfield took him to the playoffs and had the best year of his career, and I don't think he was ranked as the best quarterback in the NFL, he was top 15. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has to be the best quarterback in the NFL this year for the Browns to be successful, partly because I think the defense is going to be really good. Right. But they've got enough weapons for the guy that even if he's slumping to begin with, I think he'll get the ball to Chubb out of the backfield or Elijah Moore out of the backfield. He's got a lot of weapons for, you know, to get going. And I'm really not worried about his accuracy. You know, I think, I think that, that he'll be fine. You know, another reason for people to be negative about the Browns is just because I I, I think that there is a certain laziness sometimes at the national level that you just look at how they did last year and assume it's going to be pretty much more of the same. And that's sort of the path of least resistance when you predict how a team is going to do. And I think that there's a certain amount of that going around as well. Uh, I have what they did, you know. Yeah. who they added all the way across the board. They had a good roster, and they added some really top players and a couple top coordinators. Yeah, yeah. I don't don't see how you can take a look at the 2022 team and the 2023 team and say, you know, these are the same entities. They're they're nothing alike uh, after what they've done during the offseason. Got one more question for you from Ask the Insiders. I can't find the answer to it anywhere. Just wondering if you had heard anything about why Joe Thomas selected Jerome Bettis to hand him the gold jacket. I assume that there was some reason for it, but I haven't seen anything written anywhere about it. Did Had you heard that, Fred, or have you not heard anything about it? No, I, I don't know anything about it. I know the Hall of Famers 
you know, or get involved. Maybe it was assigned. I don't know. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's go to some of the questions that we have from our chat group. Uh, we've got 20 minutes, so still some time to get in. Um, Sancho Bermuda just made a comment as we were talking about Deshaun Watson. He said, get Watson in there next game. He needs the snaps. They're certainly going to do that against the commanders. But I think, Fred, that you know maybe this is taken out by all the practice time they have and certainly the practice against the Eagles. But I don't think it's just Deshaun Watson and his receivers. I think it's the offensive line that needs time to adjust to Deshaun Watson, especially as he comes under more intense pressure and the potential to get hit uh, as well. Do you agree? Well, it's that balance, you know, they all talk about. Watson plays and, and tears his ACLs out for the season. Do you wish he would have got more snaps? Or would you rather him play himself into shape when the regular season starts? Same way with the offensive line. So are you trying to get to September 10th healthy? And you know there's a rigorous journey ahead. You're hoping to play at least 17 games and you're expecting to play at least 18 or 19 or maybe 20. So, you know, do you, do you let them get to the regular season, then get going from there? I understand that they need some timing in that, and I think they're going to get a little bit of timing, but it's, it is. It's a different teams have different philosophies on it. I know the Steelers tackle to the ground and, and they hit and they seem to be tough and it doesn't seem to bother them. You know, but the Browns have chosen so far kind of that's why I was surprised in the pouring rain. They went out and practice outside a couple right. of days ago because usually they go to the in friendly confines. And it wasn't a coincidence, maybe, that two guys got carted off, you know, in that practice. So, you know, it's like, what do you do? You know, you're high priced guys. Do you, you don't want to pamper them, but you don't want to lose them. You know, in August, you want them there for the regular season. And the odds of playing 17 games, there's going to be nicks and bruises throughout the season. So did ask Deshaun Watson if they've been able to work with the offensive line, you know, because he keeps the ball or plays going and that scramble. Mm -hmm. And he said that they have been able to get on a page. Obviously, in the game, it's a little different. So. I think they'll probably do some of that, have him, you know, have some design plays to in live action, you know, where they get to uh, kind of adjust to him scrambling around. So it, it really comes down, I think, that the Browns, Stefanski would rather uh, play it cautiously and get to the regular season and then go from there. I mean, look at Joe Burrow. He goes down, non-contact. Injuries can happen anytime, but mm -hmm. they generally happen more in preseason games because you got overzealous guys on the other side trying to make the roster. And what better way to make the roster is to go knock out the opposing quarterback or something like that. So right. we'll see. I think they're trying to strike the balance. And uh, on the subject of injuries, E. Gillen wants to know, are there any worries about the host of early injuries at the start of camp? Well, I, I don't think there's been a host, to be honest. I mean, there's always guys, you know, with there was a rash in the last year, it seemed like of hamstrings, and there hasn't been, you know, that that type yet. I mean, 
uh, Wright and Thomas both injured their knee, one in practice and one in the game. Um, Ford was a hamstring. Schwartz had a hamstring injury, but it was before training camp. Um, most of them are, haven't been hamstrings and the soft tissue. So Jalen Darden has something. They call it a leg. They don't say hamstring. Um, so, yeah, there was 10 guys today that didn't practice, and that included Wright and Thomas, who had surgery. So there was eight guys that were on the side not practicing. And out of 90, you know, that's about 10%. And so I think they also um, cautious a little bit. If somebody has anything, they go to the side or they go in. Um, it seemed like, you know, a couple of them, you know, when we see it, Ford pulled up in the middle of a drill. So it seemed like his hamstring was kind of serious. But we saw him later after practice and he gave the thumbs up like he's doing fine or he'll be okay but you mm -hmm. just never know with those type injuries so i don't think it's an exuberant amount obviously there's always guys getting hurt out there it's a contact sport and just running around doing the drills those type things happen that's why you got 90 guys here yeah exactly uh, Broken Arrow wants to know how many practices the Browns have with the Eagles. Uh, it's two, right? Or am I wrong again? Yeah, my schedule says they're scheduled for Monday and Tuesday, similar to what they do here in the afternoon, like 2 o'clock, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, Stefanski and Nick Sirianni have kind of scheduled those out. And I think I get, I get a pretty good impression on what happened last year here that the two of them are going to, you know, use this to evaluate their starters and their, you know, their, for the most part, 53-man roster are going against each other. And then the reserves will probably play in that game Thursday night for the most yeah. part. Yeah. It, it'll uh, probably be a DTR, Kellen Mond type game. I don't even know if Dobbs will play in that game. Right. I wish they would broadcast the practices and uh... – Maybe they could skip the uh, exhibition game. Um, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Serge MDC wants to know how you see the wide receiver position shaking out. I know you said that David Bell had a good practice today, but uh, some other players are sort of challenging him a little bit. Schwartz made a couple plays. He likes the Watkins kid. Uh, any other comments uh, about uh, what you see going on at, at wide receiver? Well, the... You know, injuries is always the wild card. You know, Marquise Goodwin is such an uncertainty. You don't know what's going to go with him. He had a big role in this offense, being the speed guy. But all things being equal, um, you know, Stefanski said they don't play till September 10th. So I see Goodwin out there every day on the sideline. So it doesn't seem like he's getting discouraged. I know that um, – this this happened during the June mini camp, June sixth to eighth is when he said something. So it's been going on two months, over two months. So they gotta have, I would think, start having a handle where it is. So assuming good ones on the roster, I feel like your top five spots are pretty much locked with Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples Jones, Elijah Moore, Marquise Goodwin. 
Cedric Tillman. And then six would be David Bell, just because I do not think that Andrew Barry, his history is, I'm not going to move on from a third round pick in his second season. Um, so even if Goodwin wasn't around, Bell would be the fifth. And most time you don't keep more than six at the most. So that's what comes into play is Schwartz, Watkins, and then and then you have um, Jalen Darden and Jakeem Grant, okay? I've been kind of making the case, assuming Goodwin's back, that you got six wide receivers already. And if you're going to keep a specialist who's also a wide receiver like Grant or Darden, that would be your seventh. So can you really afford with this roster to keep seven wide receivers? So maybe they would try to put one or both of them on the practice squad since you can put veterans now, do what they did with Chester Rogers and activate them. I think you can get activated four games and then, and then you have to sign them or move on from them. But that would buy time. Um, they've talked about Jakeem Grant. Um, he's been out there now. He looks quick again, but he's 30 years old, coming off Achilles. And if mm -hmm. all things are equal, would you keep a 30-year-old guy or a 23-year-old guy like Jalen Darden? Now, he's been out for four or five practices now with a leg injury. So there's a lot of wild cards with this. But as far as wide receiver, I think I'm still going to stick by Tillman's a lock. He looks good. I think he's going to be in the rotation have a story coming out on him in the next day or so. Um, and then it just is numbers. Are you going to keep six? If you do, I would think David Bell would be the sixth guy. If Goodwin's not around, then Goodwin or Bell's the fifth guy. And then it opens up a spot for a Darden or a Grant or somebody like that. I don't see Anthony Schwartz making this team, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, you know, he they might – if nobody wants him claim, they may try to put him on the practice squad because he does have the speed. You just haven't been able to see it because they haven't been able to stay on the field, um, you know, and what they want to use him. They didn't, let's put it this way, they didn't go out and sign Marquise Goodwin, Elijah Moore in a trade, and draft Cedric Tillman if they didn't think, if they weren't totally sold on Anthony Schwartz. Right, right. And maybe even Bell. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. They they uh, made massive changes to that wide receiver room. They clearly weren't happy with uh, what was going on there last year. Uh, Serge MDC writes now that the D line seems settled. What position group is Fred most worried about? So what's uh, what's keeping you up at night, Fred? Nothing keeps me up at night. <laughs> Good. Um. I think you got to feel really good. You know, you got, you know, now with this Shelby Harris signing, I mean, I really think that solidifies, you know, the thing, the biggest question you can't control that is injuries, you know, mm -hmm. the linebackers, you know, I'm pleased to, to see Taki Taki and Anthony Walker today. They both practice second day in a row with after pads yesterday and, and Taki Taki had an interception. This guy had ACL surgery in December, and they're holding him back a little bit. I had a video of him in Greenbrier tackling the sled, and, I mean, he was going at it. He says he's 
you know, we'll see, but a lot of us thought maybe Walker and Taki Taki, the target might be next week with the Eagles because this is the apex of training camp. Um, the coaches are even talking about this, maybe not publicly, but these joint practices, if you look around the league, they're almost all practicing with another team now. These are mm -hmm. becoming the focal point more so than preseason games because right. you can control it. You can say, okay, Barry, you, you're going to put your guy out there and I'm going to put – and they, they control exactly what's going to happen. Whereas in a game, you have no control, you know, what you know what could happen. I mean, you can call the plays, but, you know, anything can happen in a, in a game. So um, maybe Taki Taki and Walker will both get some live action against the Eagles. If they hold them out of it, I understand that, but they might want to – see you know see if they're ready to go because they have a lot of faith that all those guys that were injured last year they had five linebackers they brought them all back two with really serious injuries and they made those decisions before they really ever saw Taki Taki or Walker back on the field so they had to feel very confident on film from last year the tape that Schwartz must have felt I can work with these guys and so you know I think linebackers is probably the biggest question. I like the cornerbacks. I like the safeties. I like the defensive ends. I like the defensive tackles. So the linebackers, can they stay healthy? Will they be able to return the top? On offense, maybe tight end. Um, Harrison's Bryant's got some undisclosed medical condition. He was on the side again today. He's out there. But whenever you hear we can't talk about his condition you wonder what's going on. Um, and, you know, the depth behind Najoku. Aikens missed four practices. They called it rest, but it was really a knee needed rest. So that, that kind of concerns you. If you need to rest your knee four days in a row, maybe there's something going on there. So maybe a little bit. And the depth at running back. I mean, obviously, Nick Chubb's your guy. But you're a little nervous if something happens to him, if he misses a day or two or a game or two, you know, you have this type of a team and you don't want to have a major fall off, you know, from a Pro Bowl running back to a just a guy. And right. So, so I guess most every all my questions are at depth. Yeah. And depth comes down to injuries and all teams deal with that. So much of a better situation than in past years, you know, as we talk about the concerns that we have for this team. Uh, one possible concern is that kicker, chat username, says, what is the line in the sand for York? At what point do we start getting worried about Cade York, Fred, uh, in bringing competition for him? Well, they're sure, you know, they have a, a strong alliance behind him. Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Berry, neither year since he's been here has brought in any competition. They stand behind him. Now today in the scrimmage, they they you know they have like a one minute drill and they move down the field to try to get field goal range. And they had two of those that they got within field goal range. And and York put them both right through the uprights. I think one was from 47 yards with no time on the clock to go to overtime it wasn't to win the game, but both of them, you had to make the field goal or you lose. And he made them both. So I think they just, they know he's got the leg. They know everything. It's just, okay. 
is there still something in your mind that caused you to miss mm -hmm. in games? I mean, I think I think that as soon as he has enough experience that he'll be fine. I think that I think he's got a temperament that he'll be fine. I you know, you think last year he made the first 12 in the season including that 58 yarder. I don't know how it could be tougher after that, you know, but it was the first time later in the season he's kicking, you know, at First Energy or Cleveland Brown Stadium um, in colder weather. So I don't think they're concerned at all. They have, they could at least bring in somebody, you know, to challenge him, but I don't think they think that's going to do any good. I think they feel he's the guy. They right. drafted him in the fourth round, and I – I know they're in a lot of close games, and it could come down to making the playoffs or not on the leg of Cade York. But so far, they're confident he's the guy. A couple of requests for injury updates, if we know anything. Uh, Darko Petrovic wants to know the status on uh, Mr. Goodwin. Uh, have we heard anything else beyond the blood class? No, there's no updates. You know, the – the coach and whoever they stand behind the HIPAA, they can't talk about anything. So what are you going to do? Right. Exactly. Same answer with uh, Newsom. Well, he was out there again. He says a minor groin injury again. I don't think with these guys, they're overly cautious, especially the starters, you know, the, the rookies are undrafted or guys really trying to make the team are probably out there sooner than they should because, you know, if they're going to make the team, they're going to have – they're not going to keep them around when 40 guys roughly have to get cut. So um, – but the front-line guys are going to get the benefit of the doubt. So I don't think it's serious at all. It's just, you know, he walked off practice. Nobody really even saw him limping. And then we heard a couple of days later it was a groin. So okay, I had a video of him just walking around out there. Couple quick questions uh, before we go. Uh, Sancho Bermuda wants to know who are the captains. Uh, I haven't seen them identified yet, but there was a group of people standing out on the field when they um, uh, did a tribute to uh, Jim Brown the other day, who looked like they might be sort of a selected group. Have you heard anything about this yet, Fred? They do that before the first pre or the first regular season game for the year. He might have them for the preseason games because they have to send somebody out to do the flip and so forth. But, no, captains will be at the end of training camp. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, another from Sancho, he says, what do you guys think about the replay review policy? Every single exciting play is subject to review. And it certainly seems to be the case. Sort of sucks the air out of the game sometimes, Fred. What do you think about uh, – uh, having so many plays uh, reviewable. Well, yeah, I, I just think that it does take away the momentum of a game. You know, when you when things when you're rolling, you don't want to have to stand there and you know look at that. But I think they also want to get it right. So it seems to be the way in everything now. The sports, you know, has has become. The frustrating thing is when they do that and then it's still not right, you know, it, mm -hmm. it's kind of, kind of crazy, but I don't, I don't really have an opinion either way. I mean, they're going to do what they want to do. They don't really ask me. <laughs> yeah. Understood. I, 
I'm probably a little bit more bitter about it when it comes to the college game. There's so many uh, calls that I see that are uh, that I disagree with that uh, get reviewed, and I still disagree with on the uh, in the college game, uh, like uh, the hit on Marvin Harrison. Not that I'm upset about that. Still, <laughs> how did I know uh, that? <laughs> yeah. I'm still bitter about that. All right, we got a few questions right at the tail end of the show. I'm sorry that we weren't able to get to them. Please bring them back next week uh, and uh, uh, get them in a little earlier, and we'll make sure that we hit them up. Uh, thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us again tonight. Great show. Uh, thank you, as always, Sensei Fred, for uh, your insights. Uh, welcome, as always. Uh, thanks again for attending. For Fred Greetham, I'm Barry McBride. Thanks a bunch, everybody. We'll see you next Wednesday for OBR Weekly. Good night. Night.